We are back. You are listening to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. And this is our another episode of The Crimson Queen, Crimson Queen by Alec Hudson. This is our middle section. So the second of three episodes. Yes, Luke, our middle section. We've just reached the midriff of our Crimson Queen episodes. Can you tell that I don't work on the intros? Luke, don't tell our listeners that. <laughs> well, no, I, I work really hard. It's, it's good. This is basically my second job. <laughs> um, okay, so again, before we get into the book, let's have a warm-up, Dan. I've got a rant. Oh, boy. Yeah, and again, not related to anything that we normally talk about. Mm-hmm. But so we're recording this the weekend after Thanksgiving. I'm going to rant about Black Friday, but Oof. I'm not ranting anti-Black Friday. You ready? I'm oh, ranting God. anti the people that are anti-Black Friday. All right. Okay, Luke. You know. I think this is an underutilized, I don't know what the word no, is. No, I was about to say we may have found some fresh soil to till here because... Right, because everyone rants against Black Friday. Right. Oh, well, okay, to be clear, I'm not I'm not ranting for Black Friday necessarily. <laughs> so we're, we're not building people up who like Black Friday. We're just tearing down those who don't. We want to make this clear. Luke isn't trying to build anybody up here. He's just trying to tear down everybody. Well, okay. I'm not tearing down the people that just like don't like Black Friday because that's fine. I'm ranting against or roasting the people that make fun of the people that like Black Friday. But I don't think the people that complain about that are like thinking about who they're complaining about. Because I imagine that they're picturing people going Black Friday shopping as like upper middle class people that have everything and just want more things. Because that's I think that's who they're ranting against. But that's not the people that are going Black Friday shopping. (laughs) The people that are going Black Friday shopping, I think, are either one, people that have it as like a tradition. You know, I think that's a thing. People will go, people will have Thanksgiving, they'll have like... You know, they'll have their friends or family and go stand in line and hang out. I think that's a thing, right? Yeah. Which is fine. I don't like, you know, I don't do that, but I'm not going to make fun of you for doing that. Yeah. The other people are the people that can't afford things at regular prices. Like there's not people. The reason you go Black Friday shopping is to save money. Right. And you're saving like a hundred dollars. Right. Right. How are you making fun of people for this? Okay. Luke, I'm actually, I'm going to push back from two sides to this guy. I'm going to give you a little pushback. The first, the things that they sell at Black Friday that are cheaper are typically not the necessities. You're not going. That's true. Right. So you're, you're getting a TV. It's usually large appliances, right? things like tvs now i think that there are yeah electronics there are a lot of deals on things like dishwashers as well so i i'll give you that but a lot of the times it's like tvs and electronics and it's like consumer goods um the other side that i'll push back from is i'm 
ag- I agree with you. I think the people aren't thinking about the people they're complaining about. I think most people, if they had their way, would not have a Black Friday. I think they would say, oh, just give me the sales on like four or five days spread out and then I can go and I don't have to deal with the crowds or lines. Like I hate doing that. It's awful. But I go because there's really good deals. And especially with Christmas coming around, I, it's it's not something I want to do, but it's something that I will do because the stores make me do it. And so the people that they're complaining about aren't people who are like who relish. I don't think most people relish Black Friday. I think people look at it as more of like a like a thing that they have to do almost. It's like an obligation. And if it could be another way that was less awful, they would do that. Right. Yeah. That, I think that's true. I think my point about the the like I, I recognize that people are not buying the necessities on Black Friday. I think my point is. There are, I think a lot of gifts are purchased on Black Friday, right? I think that's the idea, yeah. And I think a lot of them are, sure, sure. a lot of them are people just, they could afford them at the, re- the full price probably, um, but obviously would want to save money. I think a lot of them are also people that can't afford them at the regular price and want to buy their kids something nice. Mm. Mm. Like, I think, I'm sure whenever you see if you see like a video filmed vertically on somebody's phone of two people fighting over something, it's always a TV. It's always a TV. It's it, well, I was going to say it's either a TV or like a, like a high end children's toy or something like that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's like, how are you making fun of these people for buying this, like fighting over this toy that they can't get their kid otherwise? Right. Well, it's and it's clearly it's not for them. Like they're buying this thing. These people fighting over this toy are not buying it for themselves. Obviously, they are buying it to give to someone else, regardless of whether or not you think that that person that they want to give it to is entitled to it or feels entitled to it or already has enough. That's beside the point. True, true. Uh, And you don't I don't expect you to relate to this because you're kind of a Grinch, but fuck you (laughs) i'm gonna shut this down i'm shutting it down right now (laughs) that was my that was my way to get out of this fuck you you, yeah so if you don't understand why dan is so pissed off go listen to our was it our last episode it was our last episode god i'm so triggered i don't think i can even do this next episode this episode with you luke i'm gonna retitle the podcast hot takes dumb nerd and it's just gonna be me from now on I'm gonna. You're cutting me off. I'm not gonna include your audio when I put them together. I'm just gonna have me talking. Well, God. that's <laughs> that sounds like a really good move for our already wildly successful. Podcast. Yeah, I'm freaking riled up, Luke. Good. That's right where we want you to be. All right. You know what? I'm just. We're just gonna. We're just gonna get started. Okay, Jan. <laughs> Jan sucks. Wait, 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 wait. Before we get it, I want to tell the to the listeners where we are. So <laughs> we've read through chapter twenty six. Yep. All right. We're 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 up to chapter twenty seven. Yep. And the the last chapter is a Jan chapter. Jan freaking sucks. This has to do with the one. I think one of the first chapters we read. Jan's plodding along through these kind of swampy marshlands on his horse, and he says. 
at one point, even though I'm a thousand years old, I still got to be careful because I could die from an arrow in the eye. What? <laughs> How? Okay, I did think I did think that that was interesting, but please go on. Okay, if you're a thousand years old, you're you've probably been attacked at least once in your life. You wouldn't be a thousand years old. You would have died there if that's what it took to kill you. You would have died. You're so you're saying that well, are you arguing that an arrow cannot kill him even if if it hits him in the eye or are you saying that he's at the point where he could avoid getting hit by an arrow. I'm saying it shouldn't kill him to get hit by an arrow. He is an immortal. He's like done all this crazy magic. He's immortal. And he's worried that somebody will shoot him with an arrow in the eye. And he's lived for a thousand years and he has no... His only his only thing is I got to be careful so I don't get shot in the eye and die. That's what I, I have to be careful. Right. That's so I was kind of surprised that apparently the immortality basically just extends to old age not affecting them. Yeah. Like they, it seems, according to that line or that part, they are just as mortal as anyone else except for they can't die from old age or they don't age, I guess. Right. That's what it sounds like to me, too. And okay. Did they say a thousand years? Because it seems like they've been around for longer than a thousand years. I think it's around a thousand. Okay, so if it's a thousand years, group is. let's do some quick math. If it's a thousand years, what do you think is the probability that you in this world get killed by getting shot with an arrow in the face? In this world? Yeah. If you're a kind of person that's adventuring around a lot, mm-hmm. like I presume that they are. Like chasing Although after would... demons? Because he goes right. and chases after a demon. Right. Although I would say there's probably long periods where he doesn't do this. Yeah. I would imagine. But then there are two other immortals. We got to remember there are two other immortals. Right. Let's say out of every hundred years, he is doing adventurous things uh, 40 years out of a hundred years. Sure. Okay. And then people probably, his type of person probably gets shot, well, gets shot at at least once a year. Right. Okay, so that's 400 arrows he has had shot at him at this point in his this thousand years. <laughs> he has had 400 arrows shot at him. None of them presumably have hit his eye because he's still alive. But my question is, how? If so, that's all it takes is an arrow, how did he get to a thousand? So he doesn't, he doesn't mention this part, which I think is odd. But there's, an, there's a part with Aliana. Right. When... The Gintiaki, I think, is the name of it. Mm, when she frees it, and yeah. it, right, I know. When she frees it, and it like lunges at her, and it gets blocked by her wards. Right. So I'm assuming that he has wards. I don't. This is why. This is why I think he's crazy, because he wouldn't. He's talking to himself. We're getting his perspective. Right. And he thinks I better be careful for those arrows to the eye. Which to me says, I don't have any protection from arrows to the right. eye. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a fair assessment. Jan! I mean, that's, that's kind of badass, honestly. I think it's props, honestly. <sighs> Did I just flip on Jan? Am I now pro-Jan? I think, it's, I think you should be. Judging by this, Damn. we're talking about a guy that has lived a thousand years without the aid of magical wards. 
Maybe. <laughs> Damn, Jan. Oh yeah, I think Jan's pretty. Jan's pretty stealthy. Well, how, and he's apparently. risky. He takes risks. That's that's pretty badass, Jan. Right. Well, he he just you know he does it the old fashioned way. <sighs> All right, you know, Jan, we're cool. You're you're cool, Jan. Yeah. See, I thought this was kind of a hot take when you came out because I think Jan is a very likable character. I mean, aside from the whole, it sounds like he had to do something really evil at one point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He seems super likable. Sure. That's why that's why I thought it was pretty funny when you opened with Jan sucks. But uh I don't know. So you wanna do a quick a quick like overview maybe? Yeah, sure. So the last we left off last episode with Keelan at least was in some some city on the way to Dimeria. And I think he was just learning to fight with whatever that guy's name is, one of the like fist brothers. And then so they, like so Shin X I N, I think is his name. Yeah. Yeah. So then they've moved on and they get attacked by the Gintyaki and g- gals, I think, or what they're called. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Gintyaki is very cool, I thought. Or, okay, so the the Gintyaki itself was very cool. The idea of Gintyaki. Like, I know I don't want a... I don't want, like, a side story, necessarily, about the history of Gintyaki or something, or whatever. But I think that there's... like Okay, so they are very... They go into this library a little bit, a little right. bit later to research them. Yeah. There's got to be some cool books about the Gintyaki in there, well, right? I mean, Kaelin picked up a book about... Right. Right, so... And, and we haven't gotten to the point where we know what's in this book. Exactly. Yet, but... So we're probably going to get a little bit of the history of it um, because he's going to read it and be like, oh, these guys are pretty... Wow, they're pretty crazy. Um, why do you... I wasn't as on board with them being super cool because to me they're just, they're just like a shapeshifter. Right. I think, I don't know why they're different to me. Because it does seem like their abilities are just, you know, standard shapeshifter. Right. Uh, or, or I think there's some kind of, they have some other pro- powers, but I don't think they're explained. The main thing is just they're, they're shapeshifters. But I think the history of them just being a race that essentially hides among humans and almost like feeds off of them. Yeah. I think it sounds cool. Yeah, this is an idea, I think I may have seen it originally on Reddit somewhere, but the idea that, there was some post I was watching about, um, I think it's a, it's like a type of beetle that feeds on ant eggs, and it lays its eggs with the ants so that they take care of them, but the beetle has evolved to look like ants, so it can get away with it and smell like ants. And I think somebody somebody commented and was like, what if that exists for people and we're the ants? And since yeah, that I think post, that's exactly what this is. Since that post, I've just been like every now and then you look at somebody on the train and you're like, they could just they could be eating us and we don't know it. <laughs> yeah. See, I don't know. So I don't know why I think that's they're so cool, because, again, they are just I mean, shapeshifters that probably are also have some kind of fighting prowess. 
but their the the story of their race i think is very cool and the fact that at some point humans caught on and like hunted them down yeah i think that as a side story would be super dope about which i mean i so i think the keelan the book keelan finds is called something along the lines of hunting the whatever the book calls them but hunting the gintiaki yeah yeah which would be a cool story to read yeah i i think so which maybe that's why the ghost led him there you know maybe the ghost is just like hey this is a really cool book doesn't really matter it does it probably isn't going to give you any good information but i loved it this is it's a page, awesome this is a page turner i you know i could see it uh, just like a friend the ghost is just passing out fun stories okay um i would like that ghost honestly <laughs> we have trouble picking we have trouble deciding what books to read next ghost would be very handy well I get, yeah we'd have to have the library too because if it was just like my bookshelf it would be like there's there's like 30 <laughs> books to choose from so wouldn't be that helpful True. also yeah how it, it wouldn't really work on the kindle either because you on like amazon i'm sorry i'm raining on this parade luke i love it's, it it was i thought it was a good idea i don't know why you're <laughs> shutting me down right now i don't know either i love it i wish i had a, a friendly ghost telling me what to do well all right we we're getting we need to finish our overview because we have things to talk about, but I, I need we need to do them in the right order. Okay. Okay. Um, so the, the Gintiaki attacks them, and the Gintiaki is after this Shan guy. And I think this... We, I don't know if we've talked about the Shan in our, in our last episode. The Shan basically just seems... I'm sure it's based off of a specific Chinese dynasty. It seems that way, yeah. Or it seems like Chinese culture is what it's based right, off of. Right, right. So the Sham is this guy that keeps himself apart and he's chasing the, he calls them the betrayers, I mm-hmm. think. They call themselves the chosen who have escaped the Shan with the help of Aliana. Mm-hmm. And we don't really know what they are yet, right? Just some monsters yeah. <laughs> that, are, that are in the shape of children, really yeah. creepy children. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a very The Ring vibe from them every time they're described um but they're also enslaved by aliana she can command them to do whatever she wants right and then apparently the shan is super dope at fighting right not that well, dope. okay right not that dope but the gintiaki just like matrix dodges every single little swipe of his which was cool and then just like well okay so first i thought the shan was going to be a character that stuck around okay. for a little while. I have this written down as one of my notes. He seemed super dope, and I was hoping to hear more from him. And the fact that he died was like, damn. Yeah, I thought he was going to teach so many life lessons to Keelan. Uh, and he died so quick. It was so just, oh, his neck snapped the end. Yeah, because he, he comes in as this awesome fighter. And you're like, okay, maybe he'll be in match for this Gintiaki. <laughs> the Gintiaki just, again, like just dodges everything and then breaks his neck it's like oh wow well that's he was, that <laughs> he was not as formidable as i thought he was and then okay but then the big thing is keelan somehow blasts him with this fire i think it's green fire right it's, the color is green yeah <laughs> and apparently and apparently that just doesn't happen you know like people they haven't just like throw fire out of their hands yeah they're working on it and it's especially not green fire (laughs) and i guess that catches a lot of attention 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Well, and after that, he passes out, and they take him to uh, I don't know, whose house? Prince Lear, I think. Prince. Right, the Prince of This, I think. This. I'm not sure if that's it. how it's pronounced. Yeah, that sounds right to me. Um, and then in the meantime, while they're there, and they have like kind of a banquet, um, the oh, and that's where they go into the the library, right? Um, in the meantime, Jan makes it through the swamp without getting hit by any arrows. And uh, gets to, uh, what is it, Demiri? De- What's the name of that place? Hirath. Hirath, uh, where he meets the Crimson Queen. Right. And then I, so I, when I was reading this, I felt so proud of myself because I was like, this, this girl might be, you know, I think this girl might be the Crimson Queen. <laughs> and I was going to bring that up because I never have theories because I don't read closely enough. Uh-huh. And then it gets revealed right in the chapter before we end. And I was like, ah, damn it. I was going <laughs> to. Uh, I'll say I predicted that at first, especially, I mean, when she has red hair, it was like, oh, all right. So, but then the amount of stuff that she was doing that was like, it seemed like it was weeks that she was pretending to be a beggar. And she was like sitting on old gross men's laps in the tavern that he played at. And I was like, uh, ah actually i don't know if this would be the queen this seems like a little yeah. much it was a it was a tangent from her normal work that she put. <laughs> well i just thought it was a great way like it covered it up for me like my first thought was this has got to be the oh, sure. queen and then the level of stuff that she did to maintain her cover was like uh, maybe it's not so it like definitely gave me that hint of doubt where yeah so, so. i'm assuming when she does this her main her like i don't know maybe her main focus is on jan but i'm assuming she does this not just to be spying on jan right because she doesn't even know when she ends up confronting him in the palace Mm -hmm. she doesn't know who he is and i could see a character like her walking around or, or doing this for other reasons like this is just part of her normal thing and maybe she went on a tangent to investigate jan as well I think maybe. I don't think we have enough evidence because she's obviously extremely powerful. Um, and Jan thought that he was concealing his identity from her and she definitely knew that he was important, right? Even up until the moment, like she called him into the throne room. So there was some reason she knew he was important and we don't know why she thought that yet. Um, True. So I think it's still too early to say which of those i think it would be dope if she just lived in the city as a beggar most of the time to kind of keep an eye on things that would be very cool but we she may have been tipped off to jan and that's why she took on this disguise uh but okay so we finished our overview we need to go back to the beginning so shin is one of the fist warriors who's training killian and nell yeah uh how much of a black sheep is this guy? Because, okay, I don't even want to say that. How do the other four fist warriors let him do this shit? Oh, like like learning how to read, for example? No. I don't care about that. That's fine. I mean, taking this super secret ancient fighting technique that is passed down to these slaves that's like one of their only things that they get is this specialized training in fighting and combat 
and he, they he meets these two strangers on the way to wherever they're going and decides yeah i'm gonna teach them this this super secretive fighting technique i think hey brothers i'm gonna teach them this fighting technique now we don't really know them but they seem cool they yeah they seem very chill honestly i mean they do they <sighs> all right you make a good point they seem very chill i think they might be they kind of want this to happen is my guess but they don't want to be part of it his brothers which is do? why we right is my guess as in they they kind of want maybe they maybe want to see what happens but they don't want to be like responsible for it so because i do think i also think it's weird that we never almost never interact with them like you would think that Shin would be interacting with them a lot and bringing them along, or you would think that Keelan would be interacting with them as well, considering how close Shin and his brothers are. But we never even really talk to them. Well, but from from the sense that I get, Shin is the interesting one, and his the rest of his brothers are just boring. Like, <laughs> like Shin almost comes out and says, yeah, I'm the interesting one. Everybody else is boring. Because uh, there's that scene where he's talking about how he tries the interesting foods, and he does all this. Like, he's kind of a like an not an outcast but he's interesting and the other five are he's the thumb essentially the other right. five the other four are just like normal fingers and shin's the thumb it's like oh that's kind of what's going on with you counter proposal so well i don't know if it's counter but that's not a dramatic <laughs> <laughs> so we don't really know how this connection with him works right mm-hmm. well we get a good idea but what do you mean we don't know the depths of it i don't think mm-hmm so they could be almost a collective like they could almost they're okay so they're thought of as one soul essentially Mm -hmm. split into five right yeah what if they just have like five bodies and they're like this we're gonna make this our interesting body or the one that goes out and does the interesting things oh so the other ones are not interesting because they're kind of just zombie bodies that are good at well i don't think they're zombie bodies i think they're just they're doing all of the other things that has to be done you know Uh like they're guarding all the caravans and working with the merchants and doing whatever (laughs) i don't know why i brought this up this probably isn't right but uh (laughs) i don't think so because then why would he be so torn up that the other four died that's a valid point i don't have an answer for that yet (laughs) Okay, so this gets... I, I just want to hammer on this like one more time. There are strangers that Shin meets in this caravan and they ask him to teach them fighting. And he teaches them the secret fighting technique of the slave pits that he and his five brothers... He has four brothers learned just because, it seems like. They don't give him anything in return for it. He wasn't ordered to do it. They convinced him. How is it a se- my my question is how is it a secret? Right, you would think that like if if somebody is willing to give it up that easily, you would think that other people would. Right, is that what you're saying? You'd think it, it would be well, well known because it only takes like two days traveling. Maybe it's just not that good. <laughs> okay, this is it. We found it. It sucks. <laughs> It's secret because nobody wants to learn it because there's way better ways of fighting. Like, I think maybe... So, okay, it's they're known for being great fighters. Yeah. But 
that doesn't necessarily mean the sword fighting technique is great. They could just be naturally great athletes and have super fast reflexes and that kind of thing. And no one wants to learn their technique because they're like, I mean, they make it work, but like, I can't because it's terrible. That's my, that's the, that's the theory that I think we should stick with. I see. Not my nonsense one. You know what? That one, that one I can go with. And I mean, we saw how much good it did him. Oh, roasted. (laughs) He was another character that, oh no, he's not dead. No, he's, he's, he tried to. Right. Yeah. Okay. He's still alive. Um, Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to move on. I've got a point I want to bring up about when Jan goes to this tavern in the middle of nowhere. Yes. And this girl wants him to take her away from there. Uh Right. And he's kind of like, you know, it's not, it's not great out there. Like you might want to stick around and that kind of thing. And he kind of acts like he knows better than her. And it's like, she's being stupid for trying to leave. It sounds like her life is pretty freaking terrible right now. Am I wrong? She's just getting groped by old men that come through constantly. That sounds terrible. She should leave. No, you're you're 100% right. And like her uncle runs the tavern and he's she just like is passed around by every traveler that comes through and he's totally chill with it. Yeah, it seems like your family is not very protective of you and you have a terrible job where you were completely mistreated. Like granted, I think that probably is typical wherever she will go. Yeah. If she works in a tavern somewhere else, maybe. I don't know how this world is. But maybe not. <laughs> well, there's kind of a there's kind of a parallel here to Denna from Kingkiller Chronicles. Yeah, that's true. So, we have in both these societies women seem to be subject to a patriarchy and be kind of like not and don't seem to be like respected at all and treated as property a lot of the time and in denna's case denna you could envision denna being the person who left and is constantly trying to seek safety and security given her state like her position and so if you know if jan read king killer chronicles he might be thinking of denna when he tells this to this like tavern wench yeah maybe he has but <laughs> uh so again this is a case of the the guy or male person not having any idea of what her life is actually like because the way he does he's like he makes it seem like her life is just kind of boring but very comfortable and nice yeah it's not okay you make a you i'm I think you're right. Uh, he's, he, he's, he's making her seem like she's sick of being bored but comfortable all day and wants to go like on this cool adventure, adventure. that she thinks it's going to be it's going to be really neat. But which I mean, OK, maybe that's the way she thinks, but she should still go because her life is not just boring and comfortable. Her life is boring and terrible. <laughs> yeah. OK, I think. This is definitely the point that's important. He makes it seem like, oh, yeah, you you read about these storybooks and you think you want to have an adventure, but the world isn't like that. Stop. And she's like, probably like, dude, I don't want to get groped anymore. <laughs> Which he does. He does bring up a good point where it's like, 
I think he says something along those lines of be careful who you decide to go with. Right. Because, sure, if, you know, she could go with somebody and it make it way worse. That's fair, I think. And I do think it makes sense for Jan to be telling her this. Because yeah. that seems to be the kind of guy he is. I don't know. But, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much my main point. Just And I don't think it's in the grand scheme of things of this story. It's not that important. But I, I don't know. I just wanted to bring that up. She, sh- she should not be listening to Jan in this circumstance. I agree. Uh, I had one thing about this section that still kind of plagues me it's a question that was brought up but never answered um was the eel soup good that's true actually because the eel soup was hyped up a lot (laughs) we never found out if it was good these are the questions that we created this podcast for i'm now i'm curious it would have taken it would have taken three words it was good (laughs) or it was bad i you know i don't i mean i don't even want to speculate we can't know we there's no we have no idea if the eel soup was good or not i i hope it was god do you think that's what the second book is about i don't know if i want the second book to be about that but i want it to factor in god like maybe um Maybe there's a large plot point where this inn starts getting much more traffic because of this eel soup. Uh-huh. People become willing to brave the swamp and right, the right. giant lizards just to try this famous eel soup. Right. You get you get a ton of people coming through, a lot more than there used to be. You get people exploring the area a little more. You get some sorcerers coming in. All of a sudden... There's a deep one in that swamp. Oh, for sure. Where do you think the eels come from? Oh. Also, okay. Luke, that doesn't prove... What do you think it. makes the eels taste so good? That doesn't prove anything, Luke, because maybe it was so bad when Jan came through that the cook completely reworked the recipe and then it became good. Oh, true. I want to know how the eel soup was that Jan ate. Jan! You know, I don't know. We'll have to figure, well, if we ever get a chance, we'll have to ask Alec about it. Yeah, yeah, Luke, if we talk to the author of this book, the first question we're going to ask him is, was the eel soup good? (laughs) That's fucking ridiculous. I think it's a good question. It's going to be better than our other questions. (laughs) Yeah, all right, maybe we'll start on a high note. Um, All right, something else that is a question that, Luke, I'm kind of curious what you think. When, um, oh, who is the, when the, the paladin who is taking in Killian at first, when he is being tried, what's that paladin, do you remember that paladin's name? Secarus or something like that? Yeah, I think it's Secarus or Seneca. Senecus. Senecus, yeah. So when Senecus is being, like, investigated by the head of their order, um, and the Undying One is there, the head of their order pulls out a finger bone and shows him that it will hide the pure from every, like it'll conceal them essentially. And he says at one point that there were three finger bones that they had and they only have one left. 
Who's got those other two finger bones, though? That's a good question. Okay, I'll tell you my my I've already prediction. I've got a theory. Okay, let's one, hear. I've got a theory on one of them. Okay, so I think I think the Crimson Queen has a finger bone. Okay, this this was the one that I was going to guess. Yes. Okay, I think she has a finger bone, and I think that is how they kind of were able to figure out how to conceal the sorcerers from the pure. Okay. Where is the third finger bone? I've got a couple contenders. Okay. Throw them at me. All right. First is Aliana. I think that's the most obvious. She seems to have her hands in a lot of a lot of different pots and a lot of different like powerful objects. And so I think it wouldn't be too far fetched for her to have one of the finger bones. Sure. I don't think she's using it. No, I don't think she is, but I wouldn't be surprised if she like went into her possessions and pulled out one of these finger bones. Just you're saying that just because she has a lot of other things. Basically. Yeah, it, it seems like every every chapter she's pulling out a new interesting ancient artifact that gives her some cool power. And so I think it, it's not that surprising that she has one of the finger bones. The other person that I think could have one of the finger bones. Oh shoot. Luke, this is a theory. Oh, okay. The is other... this is this more is this farther reaching than just the finger bone aspect of it? Yes. Okay. Okay. I think okay. If the Crimson Queen has a finger bone and we think that the finger bone could be used to help hide sorcerers from from the pure. Right. Which which to be clear, so the pure use the finger bone to hide their and they they don't have sorcery they have they're basically a black hole in the world whatever. right it's like anti-sorcery so, so maybe our theory i guess is that when sorcerers use it it does their reverse effect and hides their sorcery right we're there's a lot of speculation but it seems fair yeah i, I agree okay i think the white vizier has a finger bone and the white vizier is a powerful sorcerer who is drawing life, who is sucking the life out of the people in the palace, thus maintaining his longevity. <laughs> so I feel like you're pulling this theory out of almost nowhere <laughs> because have we seen the white vizier since that like original chapter we have the of the uh, emperor we have not <laughs> <laughs> okay present me with your evidence please okay so the white vizier is one of the counselors to the emperor okay the white vizier also was the counselor to the emperor's father and the emperor remembers him from when he was young and i think that the white vizier was also the counselor to his father I do remember him being ancient. Very, very I don't remember old. the details of it. The White Vizier comes up and talks to the Emperor, and the Emperor describes him as looking like a corpse. He also describes him as smelling like a corpse. <laughs> if this dude's not a necromancer, I don't know what a necromancer is. <laughs> okay? He doesn't he's not okay. just old. Old people don't smell like dead bodies, they smell like old people. Right. This guy looks like a dead body. So I think this guy's a necromancer. 
and he's hiding it using one of the finger bones. And I think the reason why he's there, why he's in such a prominent position is he is the philosophy that you might as well hide in plain sight because the pure are going around murdering anybody who's a sorcerer. And this guy would get murdered right away because he's a necromancer and he's got to be maintaining his life somehow. It's probably by taking the souls of other people. So. Okay. And I want to make th- something clear with this theory. The finger bone is just being used to hide his sorcery. Yeah. He's not using the finger bone to steal the life. From I don't him. think so. No, no, no. I think that the only, and I think it's also important that it's someone close in the palace because that's where the finger bones would be kept. So in order to get one, obviously they would go out on missions and stuff. Like this one is being sent out on a mission, but you could also get one if you stole it from within the palace. That's why I think Aliana is also a prime suspect because she is in the palace and so would have fairly easy access to where they keep the finger bones. Well, okay, so first off with that, I do think that that finger bone was lost a long time ago, right? right but we don't know how old the white vizier is true but i I was saying more that i don't think aliana has been in the in this area for that long i i think that's true yeah oh yeah that's actually a great point but sure i could see the white vizier being being something purely based on his age (laughs) this is something that has not a ton this is like i remember when we did game of thrones and old man is described as as like older than the oldest person ever and it's like how old how old is old man yeah she's very old and then granted we haven't read the rest of the books but i don't think old man is anything significant so sure i can i've used the same argument that you you're using right now so i i can see where you're coming from so Right. This is a theory in its early stages. It will be developed over time as we get more information. Uh, the only information we have about the White Vizier is from that first chapter, and that's it. And it's, the only information is that he's old. And Very suspiciously old. And smells like death. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll monitor. So we're keeping an eye on the White Vizier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you... Luke had a fantastic call last episode. Do you remember what it was? Uh, no. Luke, you th- you thought how cool it would be for there to be bird fireworks. And I didn't say this at the time, but I thought that was the stupidest shit I had ever heard. Okay. okay. But in this, <laughs> in this section that we read, there were bird fireworks. Were there? Oh, yeah, there were. The starlings in the city yeah. of Viz that they looked at to figure out what they should do were essentially bird fireworks that happened. They were essentially magic bird fireworks. And I read that chapter and I was just like, damn it, Luke. Dang, I didn't even realize it. Oh, that's awesome. But it was incredible. It was a, truly a magical scene. Right. It, was, it sounded great to see. Yes. Didn't it? Yes. It sounded beautiful. I'm actually kind of offended that you thought that it was stupid because I thought it sounded cool. First off, and I don't know. I I think the scene was cool. I think it was also cool. That's why I can say when you first said it, I thought that was dumb. (laughs) Now, great idea, Luke. Right, me and Alec are on the same page. Bird fireworks. Oh my gosh. 
So great the, choice by me for, <laughs> for the rant. And I don't know I why you chose it. You don't even know why you chose it. This is, see, this yeah. is what happens when we read a book that you haven't actually read before. Is you can make you can come up with this stupid stuff that just happens to be in there. That it's like, damn it. <laughs> It would be like if you were reading Harry Potter and you're like, oh, it would be cool if you could use magic to talk to snakes. And then you get to the scene where he talks to the snake and you're like, oh, look <laughs> at that. Yeah. See, I think maybe I should be some kind of consultant for a writer. And I would immediately tell them to become a storyteller. <laughs> You'd tell them to give up the written word and move back to spoken. I'm not going to bring it up again. It's a good idea. That's all I'm going to say about it. All right. <laughs> um. <laughs> there was a little like brief snippet where they were talking about the nine different sides of ama and one of them was lust and each of the paladins take on one of these sides to be their defining characteristic how awkward would it be to hang out with the lust paladin <laughs> right I assume not many. I assume there's ones that are much more popular than others, right? Yeah, like the lust one. You think that's one of the more popular ones? Well, like, I don't. Okay, because it seems like they have to take a vow of celibacy. Right. We talked about that in our last episode. I, I think you're probably right. But I imagine, oh, maybe that would be the worst one then. Because, like, okay, if you take a vow of celibacy, but your defining characteristic is lust, you are always lusting and never fulfilling that lust right well I'm to, a, be, to be fair though like lusting doesn't just mean sex you're I, right I, I think in this like i don't i that's always what we think of right because in general so i like i don't think that's a fair point like i, I think you're right that they're talking about lust like the sexual kind yeah so how would that even work i don't I just, I have no idea what that would even look like for a priest to be drawing their power from lust. And I keep I keep visualizing what their armor would look like and then trying to not visualize anymore what their armor would look like. Yeah, let's not, let's not get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure there's a way. If we talked about it long enough, I think we could come up with a way. I don't know if we should, you know. Let's just leave that as an exercise for the listener. Listener, think yeah. about what a paladin that was motivated by lust would look like. Like, how would he use how would he use lust as motivation when he could not when he has a vow of celibacy? Because they're using it as it would just be so much pent up frustration and anger, <laughs> and all of it just don't stop. <laughs> St- <laughs> This, we'll that. this we'll, is not we'll the, that. This is not that kind of show, Luke. <laughs> um, God. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I pictured them. So I think you're right that the they take, they generally think of themselves as one, or not one, but they take most of their powers from one. Uh, but it, it's I think there's a lot of other like bad ones in there, like he gives. Well, there's rage God, as well. Right, which is not thought of as like a good trait, I don't think. Yeah, but I can imagine how that would be used, how that would be used by like as a source of power for a paladin. Right, right. But like, I don't know. How would the lust be used as a source of power? Like, I, yeah, I don't. Let's 
okay let's just leave it leave it up to the listener leave it up to the listener enjoy that because i i did when i was thinking about it (laughs) yeah you did well not that much uh so i think okay we're we're pretty close to the time where we probably want to finish but the one thing i want to just briefly talk about is there's a lot in this story like that's almost like large-scale unknown beings you know for example the, uh, the deep ones are one example that's not necessarily the one i'm talking about there's large like large-scale unknown uh magics uh and like spirits the spirit spirits. in the library is one example right and right. and there's there's other just there's larger players there's there's other the Keith Katan, I think, is what they're called. Yeah, the Dymo in the Heart of the Mountain. Right, mm-hmm. that, and they're like, you know, we don't know what they get their power from. Right. And that kind of thing, which I think, I don't know if we're going to see all of that. And I don't know if I would necessarily consider this a hugely epic story. I mean, maybe, obviously, this is the first book, so I don't know. But... I don't know how much history is actually going to be delved into. Like you think of epic stories, you think of like Lord of the Rings uh, with a ton of history and that kind of thing. I'm almost okay. Okay, no, I definitely think I am okay. And I actually might prefer it being left unknown Yeah. for things like, like what is the Keith Katan's power? Like, I don't know. <laughs> right. But I. But it sounds awesome. Right, right. Uh, I'm 100% on board with this way of going about building the world like the world is full of mystery and we're not going to know the answers to a lot of the questions but we know that they have power and it comes from somewhere mysterious or we know that there's this spirit and the records were lost from you know what it actually is but it does things that's fine that there is some mystery in the world i think that's totally i think that's something that too often books explain everything and the source of everything and they don't leave that mystery that is like very real. Like there's a lot of stuff that we don't have answers to and we're never going to, but it seems like in books, they want to answer all those questions. Uh, I'm with you hundred uh, percent where I'm not with this mystery is the freaking Scooby-Doo bullshit. When they go into the library that they know is full of, it has a spirit that kills people and say, all right, gang, let's split up. <laughs> sure that's stupid yeah because they're because it's they talk about how it's potentially dangerous they just heard a story of how an experienced well not an experienced but a new librarian like what is it called it's not when you starve to death but it's when you dehydrate to death i don't i don't know what that word is uh i don't know either (laughs) well they but they told the story of this person that died in the library because he got lost and the spirit led him around and like toyed with him for a while and immediately after they hear that story they go into the library and two of them split off with no librarian to help them and just wander this vast dark these aisles of books that they could get lost and die in so easily like it happened just a few weeks ago apparently right yeah and presumably they a lot often can't even read 
to languages. Oh, okay. This brings me. I'm, I'm. You might not be done with what you want to talk about, which uh, is fine. We can. This is it. That it's just bullshit that they decided to split up. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna move on just briefly. How is Keelan one of the few people that speaks or reads High Cal Uni or whatever it's called? Because his mom. I'm not. I'm not. Okay. I'm not asking why he can. Mm-hmm. I'm asking why other people can't. Because because his mom didn't teach them. <laughs> it's not that hard, Luke. Like, it's a language that people know. Some people know. I mean... Teach more, people. <laughs> okay, yes. But maybe it's like... Okay, maybe it's like Latin. Let's, let's envision that it's like Latin. Okay? If I went down to my local library... Okay, no, 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 not even that. If I went to the Library of Congress... That's, that's like the biggest library in the United States. And I walked in... And I went to one of the head librarians and was like, hi, can you take me to your Latin section? They probably wouldn't speak Latin, but they would probably be able to say, all right, we do have a librarian who does speak Latin, but they're not here today. I don't think it's that absurd that nobody okay. speaks this language. I, there are definitely people who can speak it, but I would say most people don't know how to speak it. Also, because this is the language of the language of these like sorcerers, right? These ancient sorcerers. Oh, wait, I've just refuted my own point because the librarians are all sorcerers that are in hiding. So you'd think that they would all learn this. All right, Luke, yeah, I'm on board. (laughs) I mean, okay, to to your point, I mean, maybe there's just not that big of a benefit of learning it. I don't know. I would have trouble believing that, but... Oh, and wait, also the spell scroll that they find is written in this language. Right, exactly. So you would think it would be pretty useful. Okay, yeah. I, they all should know this language. Exactly. This is, so, so maybe there's something about this language that only lets certain people learn it. Okay, maybe. But, like, it's, it's just a language. Like, I get that it's hard, but you just, you just do it. It's not... It takes some effort, guys. Okay? Things aren't going to get handed to you on a silver platter. Yeah. You got to work. Okay? There's a job out there for you if you know High Cal Uni. <laughs> it's in the library at Viz. <laughs> Maybe people just don't want that job. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to learn High Cal Uni. Then everybody's going to come talk to me and want me to do their thing. And Maybe, translate their er- spells. Yeah. You just don't want to translate everything. If you learn High Cal Uni... Everyone's coming with you with their work that you want you that they want you to translate. So people are just like, I don't want to learn it. I don't want to be responsible for everyone else's translating. There's a bunch of wizards coming around making bird fireworks and shit. I don't want a part of it. Keep it away from me. I'm doing my own research. I think I think that's I think that's the theory we go I, with. Probably. I realized the other bullshit reason for why they or the other reason it was bullshit that they split up is they were hoping for this spirit to guide them to the book anyway. It didn't matter if they were split up or together, the spirit was going to do it. Like, the spirit is guiding whoever it wants to the book anyway, so them splitting up, they're not going to find it by themselves. Right. <laughs> so stupid. Don't split up. <laughs> maybe it was because... Oh, no, she was in love with Shin. I was thinking maybe it was because Nell and... Was it Velian was his name? Velen, I think. Velen, maybe they're gonna go make out somewhere, but that's a good that's a good idea. I don't know. I mean, maybe they're like, 
I've always dreamed of hooking up in the barrow of this possibly malevolent spirit in the oldest library on earth. <laughs> they're that- like, uh, what's their exhibitionists basically? Well, but no. And they're, like, and they're like, I hope the spirit's watching. This is the only explanation. <laughs> yeah. That's got to be it. It's got to be it. I mean, otherwise, they were looking for, you know, something that they knew where it was. And they got into the, the library for other reasons. And we'll find out what those are later. Oh, boy. This is a Dan prediction. Alert. This a is a Dan. Tease. This is a Dan prediction. Well, it's. I mean, it's, it's not, not a prediction. It's a. It's a tease of a future prediction. No, my prediction is that, is that right. No, is that they went their own way because they were trying to get a book, maybe for the Crimson Queen or whatever. But they went off to search for something that, something else that they wanted there, and they didn't want the librarian knowing what they were going to go find. That's actually a valid point, because, why would they fight so hard? just to learn about this creature that's our, that they just killed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So also we know that sorcerers can influence animals with their mind and they use these birds to determine whether or not they should go into the library. Okay. Vellum is a sorcerer. Ooh, ooh we're heating up. We're heating up here. Dan. So it's also Keelan is a sorcerer who can, but, Velen is a sorcerer. Right, right, right. So this is this is going long, but just bad, bad system of discerning divine will, because that can be easily manipulated. They're magic birds, Luke. Let's use bird fireworks for what we should be using bird fireworks for, which is awe and wonder, and not gospel. Well, I mean, it's it seemed to work out pretty well for him so far. You're not wrong. It's a great city, and it's... It's beautiful. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah, I don't know, Luke. Um, stick with us next. Just hang with us. Next week, we're going to be wrapping up The Crimson Queen. Um, so we'll be reading from chapter 27 to the end. Uh, and we'll be announcing our next book next week. So, you know, hang with us. We're going to be giving you some more hot takes. And we're going to be acting like dumb nerds. 